Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pebble Report Podcast 2022, Episode 3, The Usual Suspects Back in Business. My name is Justin Wick, joined alongside the legend himself, K-Dub, Kenneth Weber. Kenneth, we got a lot to talk about. I think I say that every single time we have one of these podcasts, we have a lot to talk about, but I mean, we do. And if there's one guy that I want to do it with, it just it just so happens to be you. So here we go, man. I mean, I'm excited, but we have a lot to talk about. But if we want to give people something worth listening to, that's why we brought our guest on. That's right. You know, honestly, if there's another person that I could have in the mix, there just very well could be my two favorite dudes just in the business right here. We have a very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, from DNVR Rockies, the legend himself, Mr. Patrick Lyons. Patrick, thanks for joining us, man. First time, long time. I've uh, been waiting a while to get on this show, and I, I feel like I've kind of made it in a weird way. This is a big day <laughs> for me. I'm super excited to be on the Pebble Report. I love my prospects. I love this show, and it's a real honor. Thank you. Man, I will take it. That is Flattery is just all-time high over here, man. I must admit, it's a little bit strange for me being on the hosting side of a podcast because I'm always usually the guest on your podcast at this point. So anyways, just a huge shout out to the crew that you guys have going on. You and Susie making it happen. You guys are, if I'm not mistaken, like your most viewed traffic ever, like last month, you guys were having a whole lot of great stuff going on. Um, I feel like there's a huge percentage of our listeners also probably are tuning into the DNVR podcast pretty routinely. So, you know, big shout out to our people and for good reason, you know, for all the great stuff that they put together. But, you know, can you kind of just before we get started, just walk us through all the success that you guys have been having. And I kind of want to give you guys a little DNVR spotlight. How's it been treating you guys this year, man? Oh, well, it's been great. It's it's been great. You know, obviously, Denver has so, so many passionate baseball fans and Rockies fans are a lot more passionate, I think, than the national media gives them credit for. So that's been wonderful. And, you know, we're about to start a season out of nowhere, seemingly with the lockout. Right. And, you know, got to go down to spring training for uh, 10 days. And so, again, companies supporting our, our coverage of the Rockies. And then lo and behold, uh, probably the biggest free agent acquisition, you know, since Ian Desmond, perhaps. <laughs> this one's going to work out a lot differently. Uh, we got Susie Hunter. So, like, that was huge. Uh, right there on, on opening day, we hit the ground running, and I can't believe it was a month ago. So actually, less than a month ago, then we made it happen, and it just feels like old hat now. And we're still doing some new things, exciting things. So uh, I'm I'm just lucky to to be a part of this ride. It's it's been it's been a dream come true. I'm a baseball guy, just like you guys are. So to be able to do it officially is I'm blessed. I'm very lucky. That is just so much fun to be seeing all that stuff coming together. And, you know, it is funny, like Susie Hunter on Twitter. I've never met her in person before, but it seems like we're long lost friends just based on the Twitter interactions in and of itself. So 
very cool to see this coming together. And, you know, again, definitely want to check out all the stuff that they've been putting together. Um, if there's one person that rivals the prospect knowledge, I'll, I'll probably just admit this right now. Patrick Lyons knows more about Colorado Rockies prospects than I do. Like, and there's not many people that I feel comfortable saying that about right now, but just the off the cuff knowledge of what this guy is able to be putting together. This is a big reason why we wanted to have you onto the show. And, you know, I do want to turn this over to you a little bit more. I apologize that I'm just throwing you to the wolves as soon as you get on the air right here. But you were here this weekend and our record date is Sunday night, May 1st. So this was the debut of El Uris Montero. Saw him get his first hit this afternoon. Very cool business starting in the designated hitter spot today. Patrick, you were there. You were in the clubhouse. You were in the press box for the whole thing. And can you kind of cover, there's always, you know, there's always a buzz in the ballpark whenever you have a debut and whenever you get somebody that's been long anticipated finally in a big league uniform like this. But was there anything different about it? Was there perhaps a little bit more intensity because we knew where he came from, being from the Cardinals and, there's perhaps a little bit of an expectation being the person that he was acquired in the transaction with, but you know, as far as this being a real, like an actual reality today, what were your general takeaways and how did it feel inside the ballpark? Yeah, it was, it was a real special day for, for numerous reasons. Now going in, you know, we had heard on Friday before the game time that he was going to be flying from Albuquerque to Colorado and, and would arrive at some point in game time. And, you know, arrived there on a fourth inning right next to Bud Black and game got out of hand there a little bit, 10 to one and had his, put his batting gloves on to try to entice the coach. Hey, you know, put me in. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm here. Uh, but Bud made it clear really on Friday that, you know, this was kind of a logistical thing. If you look at the players on the 40 man roster, there's really nobody else deserving with Colton Welker, of course, on the IL Ryan Valade really struggling at this point in the season in, in triple a that, you know, Montero was obviously deserving of it, but with the rosters going from 28 to 26, starting on Monday, May 2nd, they were going to lose two guys anyway. So it was like, Hey, you know what? Come up for your cup of coffee. We got two left-handers uh, probably going to start on Saturday and Sunday, which was the case in the Reds, Connor Overton and Reaver San Martin. And that was exactly what it was. Uh, he got to DH batting ninth, not very, uh, often you see a designated hitter batting ninth in the lineup <laughs> and you go out, wow, literally it's universal DH hitting for the pitcher there. And yeah, came up there in the, in the first inning, didn't get any in on any action on Saturday and gets a base hit to, you know, uproarious applause. There's a, a mound visit, I believe. And on the scoreboard, you know, you see first career hit on the second pitch he saw and got a, got a nice ovation from the crowd. It was just such a special moment that he talked about. After the game, uh, right after that, Connor Joe walked. Uh, they made a pitching change. And during that pitching change, it was a cool moment to see Montero walk over to first base, exchange a hug with Connor Joe. It was, it was very nice, like those two guys embracing. And after the game, you know, he had a big smile on his face. Seems like a, just a happy dude. Cell phone blowing up all over the place. Bud Black even <laughs> But like even saying after the game, one of his favorite things, if not his number one favorite thing in baseball is major league debuts. You only get one of them. There are, I think now 22,600 and maybe 60 big league players in the history of, of all of baseball. I mean, think about that. That's less than half the capacity of Coors Field in the history of baseball have ever had that cup of coffee and then some. And now Montero is a part of that. Gets the hit gets the ovation. And so just a wonderful day for Montero, his family, and, and for the organization who saw this kid and, you know, believe that the player who was the Midwest league MVP in 2018 at 19 years old was someone that would develop into a big leaguer. And here he is 23 years old, making his debut two hits in his first game. He's going to go back down to triple a as with the rosters shrinking down, but he's uh, he's hungry. He said he's going to be hungry to get back. He's going to do his thing, and he, and he understand his role for the weekend. So nothing but success, nothing but joy in the clubhouse for Eliores Montero. You know, well said. Like, if there was any doubt that this guy knew what he was talking about, he just sealed the deal across the board right there, man. That's incredible. No, I mean, it's, it's very fun to be able to recognize that. And, you know, again, very cool for you to be able to witness this just firsthand and seeing all of these exchanges. And like you mentioned, 
there's a buzz in the ballpark whenever you have something like this. And it, it is always a special moment. This is, I mean, a big reason why I even wanted to host this podcast was because of those moments. And, you know, it was a little bit more forgiving than perhaps the Lucas Gilbreth giving up a bomb in his first career pitch that he ever delivered. That actually happened to Ryan Feltner as well. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, still, even those, even the, like the tumultuous ones, those are still like, it, it's still like a magical thing. Like, honestly, I mean, I can only imagine if I did that in the big leagues and I'm on a big league mound and that happens to me, I would be disappointed, but I would kind of just be like, that's, that's the way it goes. That is life right there. But I mean, at the same time, you know, coming up to the plate, getting a hit like he did, having a, I mean, a fairly good showing, I realize it wasn't a completely dominant performance, but as long as you get your hit, you know, you came up, you got your hit, you got that out of the way. And, you know, I can only imagine, yes, you are headed back down to AAA. Perhaps you kind of anticipated it because you knew the roster crunch was coming, but that's a guy to also feel pretty good going back to Albuquerque. I mean, you got your entire clubhouse on your side because you essentially took a three-day sabbatical to go up to the league, and you know, there's a lot of good coming out through there. So anyways, I guess a good lead-in to where I wanted to go with this is talking about we put our script together before he got sent back down. So I was under the impression that maybe he'll stick around for a couple of days. Maybe we'll see a couple of minor league roster shakeups. Well, we did kind of, but it looks like it's going to revert a lot back to normal based on where it used to be, of course, now that he was sent back down. So Kenneth, I did want to bring you into this. And I know that this is something that we really talk about as far as, you know, the basic transactions and guys getting called up. The Rockies will make it a point a lot of times. Usually they might just keep somebody at the same affiliate for an entire year. And we're seeing, of course, these these mid-season shakeups. This is going to cause a little bit of a readjustment. So we've got names in the quarter infield like Aaron Schunk, Michael Tolia, Warming Bernabel is coming up through the pipeline. We've got Julio Carreras as well. Kind of as far as with the promotion with Montero, where do you kind of see this landscape is going to be on those corner infield spots? And what do we at least have to look forward to as far as those next people potentially getting some call-ups into these, maybe not the big league call-ups, but into those higher level affiliates? Uh, it's going to take a little bit of time uh, with it because 2021 proved that a lot of the heavy talent is in the lower levels of the organization. And so a lot is moving on into Spokane the season from Fresno. But 2021 was also a bit of a tenuous time because there was no minor league season in 2020. So I think that was a lot of the reason for stagnation in 2021 because we don't know what path these guys are on right now. We don't know... Um, what has changed since we last saw them play games in 2019. So I think that that is going to lend credence to a lot more movement within the different um, affiliates of the Rockies farm system. When we look at the corner infield in particular, you not only have Montero, who is, you know, somebody that's going to be able to slot in AAA and then go up to the majors, but you have Colton Welker in that same conversation. So if we talk about the isotopes in particular, um, you know, maybe the opportunities present themselves if Welker and Montero are gone at the same time, but that seems pretty well slotted for them right now. Um, if either one of them goes, I think the big one to watch for is what's going to be going on with Michael Toglia in Hartford this season. Um, there's been some streakiness to it, but this guy is a huge power profile, very slick defender. This is somebody that the Rockies are really high on as being a first baseman of the future. So, if he can continue to basically, if the ends can continue to justify the means with his profile, if he can find some consistency on reaching base, whether it's a swing change or just a little bit more discipline at the plate, drawing a little bit more walks, he's somebody that I think we could see get ticketed for Albuquerque very quickly. Um, and then when you look at the lower levels, Aaron Shunk is still kind of trying to turn it around after a bit of a tough 2021 um hasn't really lit the world on fire but that's somebody that the rockies have had their eyes on for a while so i think he's going to get every opportunity to kind of keep moving on that same path like toglia has been and then when we look at somebody like bernabel when we look at carreras we, you know it's not a corner infield guy but ezekiel tovar obviously fits in this conversation too if you want to start being a little bit more aggressive with those guys in the lower levels now that you know what you have with them I can definitely see the Rockies start doing that um, even before the all-star break with some of these corner guys, because they have a lot of good infielders at, the, at those lower levels and they're not afraid to, you know, push them and see how they do in a, you know, if they're playing over their head a little bit. 
you know, you do bring up a good point as far as, you know, looking at Ezekiel Tovar. We saw just kind of a micro dose of what he was able to do in the Arizona Fall League against some of the top. I mean, it, it wasn't so much affiliate tied down. He was clearly playing up at that point. But, you know, let's say he does get called up. That's going to cause a little bit of a resounding shakeup as far as the I mean, there's only one shortstop position at that point. And where are they going to at least disperse to potentially make room for him? And, you know, there is one person that has really kind of stepped aside as far as in this discussion, whenever somebody is called up, it could have been somebody else that could have been in those shoes. And I mean, it's not to say that it's a bittersweet moment, but you can't help but kind of feel for the people that might be kind of being pushed aside at this point. So the one person that really came to mind for me was Colton Welker, and especially on the heels of, you know, he's been facing some injury troubles. He's been facing a drug suspension recently, and it was just the kind of thing that you know, when you have C.J. Crone and Ryan McMahon, and now you have Elias Montero in the at least the big league discussion, Colton Welker's kind of looking at it on the outside in, thinking, you know, what is it that I'm really going to have to do to really stand out at this point? It's, I guess you kind of just have to start looking around, going, at what point do you kind of view him as a trade piece along the likes of maybe he's the next Rymel Tapia in the discussion of what are we going to do to kind of get for him? But he's also kind of a revered, at least prospect as far as the rankings go within the within the system for the Rockies anyways. So Patrick, is this something that you see kind of being dismissed at this point is that it kind of seems like it's a necessary evil, but where do you kind of see this playing out? And is this just kind of one of, is this just, I mean, I guess one of the harsh realities of the business at this point. For sure. It, it really is. And, and it's a good problem to have, right? You're, we're talking about too many guys for, you know, a, a few amount of positions during the off season. I had kind of, suppose that you know welker could have been the odd man out and and we could see other teams really liking some of his upside and you know i said i was at a high batting average at various levels coming throughout the minors like he can hit right uh defense the body you go eh, maybe he's better suited at first base we'll, we'll see what happens maybe if you challenge him that he would be that perfect trade chip i, I thought him colt Mulker, uh and a guy like coco montez where you've got some middle infielders already for like a Kevin Kiermaier, like that, that, that seemed like the, the kind of deal they, they might look after and they end up getting Grichuk. But, you know, we've seen here in a, a short amount of time, Bill Schmidt might be more willing to let go of some Rockies prospects than, you know, his predecessor, Adrian Pinto, you know, was fantastic uh, as a 19 year old in the Dominican summer league. I think he was the MVP that uh, last year as well. I, I know he, he led the league in batting um, and, you know, that, that willingness to, to let go of those kind of guys and say, you know, not, not, uh, we were wrong or it didn't work out. It's just, you know what, there's not a spot at this present time is okay. It, it's okay to admit that. And it's okay to utilize these trade chips and utilize these pieces, uh, to improve the big league club. If, if Wilker doesn't have a spot, uh, or if, if, you know, he's running out of options, don't, don't forget that as well, uh, with these injuries and, and with the 80 game suspension last year. So you say, you know, he could be that odd man out. He's a little bit older than Elias Montero as well. Tovar has a little bit of a pop. So uh, we'll see what happens there. If, if he sticks at short or goes over to third base, Alan Trejo doesn't have that same kind of power, but we did see him, you know, do really well while Brendan Rogers was uh, scraping to get by uh, here towards the, really the entire month of April. He just got uh, demoted to, AAA uh, because on Tuesday Garrett Hampson will come off the IL. So uh, Trejo's now kind of in that mix. Tolia is the one that, you know, you love his upside. You love the power. You love, you know, the whispers about, you know, he's a future gold glove candidate at first base. But will he hit enough? Or rather, will he cut down on his strikeouts enough? I think this year he's already struck out something like 35 times in 71 AB. That's 50% of the time. Now, he does have 13 RBI, and he's coming around to score, but a 197 batting average, 289 on-base percentage is really not cutting the mustard for a guy who played you know, much of last year, or half of the season, at AA Hartford. He's repeating. He should be, you would hope, doing as well as a guy like Coco Montes, who repeated at AA Hartford before getting his promotion over the weekend. So Toglia uh, has been disappointing here in the early going, but – Nobody else really seems to be pressing him right now at first base. He, he's already, you know, bypassed Grant Levine as, as the first baseman of the future. So, um, good problem to have, right? Too many, too many corner bats at the moment. 
You know, you do bring up a good point as far as, I mean, just in the immediacy. And I mean, again, there's not so much the pressure of what it is. And he's essentially already kind of proven himself. Speaking of Tolia in that sense, I understand that you're not necessarily proving yourself with a sub Mendoza batting average to start the season. But I mean, is there any dependency, I guess, we're still dealing with a very limited sample size, you know, 20, 25 games at this point in time is not necessary. I mean, it's kind of just a microcosm of where it is. Is this something that, you know, do we just kind of allow it to run its course a little bit, or I guess, are we allowed to kind of panic at this point? Is it too soon to kind of start questioning this or at what point, you know, let's say we get a little bit deeper into the summer. At what point does this really become kind of a cause for concern? I don't know if I would panic yet. Um, You know, sometimes the results don't match, you know, the effort or or match um, really what what happened uh, from at bat to at bat. But I think it's the strikeouts for Tolia. It's the strikeouts. That's concerning. I mean, uh, maybe we'll get to Brenton Doyle here at some, at some point, but he started off real slow and and now he started to heat up and you go, okay, yeah, this is the Brenton Doyle we, we expect. Um, But for Tolia, it's the strikeouts that, that really are concerning. And that's a position where you need offense. You need, power and too many strikeouts. I mean, you're, you're looking at a first base version of, of Sam Hilliard in many ways where you're, you're kind of swapping out the, the speed and uh, well, really you're swapping out the, the speed and power for a little less power and great glove at first base. And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if major league baseball in 2022 can, can have a, a Mark Grace kind of guy that's more glove first <laughs> than anything. No, no, Mark Grace. He's, he's in the hall. Very good. I uh, did have a little bit of pop, could hit, didn't strike out that much. But if you're a glove first, first baseman, I, I don't know what kind of future you have. So it's still early. It's definitely still in the early going. And I know the weather's been a little bit colder there in the Northeast. So I'm I'm not too concerned yet. I think, as you said, Justin, the midway point, the all-star break might be where you start to look and go, hmm, this is rough. The biggest jump that minor leaguers make is from high A to double A. Totally made that jump already. So he should be past that you know, those growing pains, but it, it is worth keeping an eye on a lot of those yard goats guys, because when you go from Spokane to Hartford, that is where things are a lot crisper and uh, the wheat has been separated from the chef as it were as, as two farm boys like you probably are very well aware. <laughs> are you? No, you familiar with chaff? <laughs> And we, and Ray, you never know. You never know what we're going to run into, man. You know, and that's, I mean, I think that is a great point, especially if you look at how big the expanse of the course field outf- outfield is. You really can't put that defense into priority, especially when it comes to really throwing down and making sure that you got the offensive pop. So, Kenneth, I imagine I can only, I can only guess you have a similar perspective on this, but what is your take? Do you feel like there is kind of a level of panic or is he really on at least a desirable track at this point? I think, um, you know, it's as Patrick said, you can't just go full-blown red flag after 20 games. However, you also have to look at his track record in 21 and uh, 2019. I mean, it's not like there's a huge drop-off in other areas of his game. The average has never really been above that 250 mark at best, but generally he kind of hangs out in the 230 range. The on-base is down, but that's also directly associated to the strikeout rate going up. He held a 30% strikeout rate in those 41 games in double a last season. And it's kind of only been exaggerated to the beginning of this season. So there's already underlying concern with just what we know Toglia's profile is. And so I think that makes it a little bit easier for us to see him go through a slump, see him go through phases where he has that high strikeout rate but he's not balancing that out with patience at the plate and then taking advantage of mistakes. That's kind of who he has to end up being unless there's a huge revolution in the way that he goes about his game, which you, you look at the track record for him and you can't expect that. You can't expect that all of a sudden this guy turns himself into a switch hitting first baseman. That's high contact and starts selling out some of that power for uh, you know, a better bat plane basically to, to, to increase his balls in play. So it's easy to get concerned quickly with Toglia because he's going to live or die based off of those walks and the bombs. And so if he's not able to balance out the strikeouts with the other two, you know, that really leaves you questioning what do you actually have in this guy? You know, it really is incredible that you can just look at three columns on a guy like Michael Toglia and really start to get the picture on what he's doing at this point. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's kind of cool. 
has there ever been as much of a three true outcome guy with the, with Colorado? I mean, I know you brought up Hilliard into the conversation, but there is a speed aspect that comes in with Hilliard that can be a little bit more game changing. When you look at Toglia, he's a little bit more of that purebred, you know, three true outcome guy. And it's very unique to see him in the system because I don't think it's something that we're very familiar with the Rockies kind of, you know, swimming in that end of the pool. Yeah, they, well, think- they've they liked him a lot. I mean, they drafted him twice, right? Mm-hmm. He was coming out of high school. So they've obviously had an affinity for him. And I know I know he played a little outfield at UCLA, and I thought maybe all right, maybe they're getting the second coming of, of Cody Bellinger, which depending on which year you're looking at Cody Bellinger, you're like, <laughs> I don't know if I want this Cody Bellinger. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, he, he's got to work those things out. And, you know, power numbers have been down a little bit. But you know, as we're saying, it's, it's April, so – uh, we just got to kind of have to take it one one uh, week at a time, you know. Just just keep an eye on that. He's surrounded by a lot of good guys in that lineup, and you, you just got to hope the best that he can kind of work those things out. I, I think the solution might be giving up, you know, hitting from let's say the right side. I think he's got a little bit more natural power from the left side. We saw Tovar do that, who's a switch hitter coming up. He 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 gave that up. So uh, if you hit from one way, it, it, it's like it's like the uh, the two-way players where Hunter Green was was one of those examples where when he got drafted right around the time that Otani signed and he say, all right, well, you can try hitting, you can do pitching. And if you if you can't do one of them well enough, then boom, you got to scrap it. I think that could be the case with Toglia as far as being a switch hitter. No, nothing wrong with hitting from, from one side every single AB. And honestly, I mean, if you show that kind of power too, that's a special, I mean, there aren't many, I, I'm thinking Mark Teixeira is kind of the only one that really comes to mind as far as the switch hitting type of people in that kind of candidacy. And, you know, you bring up, Kenneth, you brought up a good point. Has there ever been a more three true outcome player in Rockies history? The only one that can come to my mind is Jason Giambi. And I don't even really know if he counts in the mix right there. I mean, he had a fourth outcome and that was the golden thong being broken out. So, oh, I mean, that just comes up yeah, there you go. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna run into right there man you know it's very fun to be able to put all this together and i understand you know you see the trickle effect that can result from one guy getting called up in the mind up into the big leagues it completely kind of just change your resonating outlook on what's going on and that was a big impact that we really wanted to cover i mean a lot of media outlets have already covered the debut of Elias montero at this point in time and you know there are other storylines in all of these minor league towns that are going to exist and you know, it might not be as immediate now that Montero has been sent back down already, but very fun to keep your eye on. And those are definitely those players that we just mentioned. Those are the ones that are really in the fold as far as where does the discussion turn to next. And there already happens to be a pretty cool discussion on them. So we are going to take a short break. Coming up next, it's time to hand out the Purple Pebbles once again. The hypothetical Purple Pebbles that signify placement on the All-April squad. I don't know how many pebbles. Do they change color, Kenneth? I don't know if we've gone over this. Do we do like a birthstone for the month of the year, or is it just always purple? They're they're like a mood ring, so they'll <laughs> kind of, they'll vary, uh, you know, de- depending on on feelings. You just you never know what we're gonna run into. We have not mailed these out yet. I also don't think that we're ever going to. So if you are a player and you're tuning in, just don't get your hopes up. But hey, be flattered because we're about to name the All April Squad for the Colorado Rockies affiliates. Don't go anywhere. We've got the legend Patrick Lyons from DNVR sticking around. Once again, you are listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pebble Report 2022 All-April Team. Here are the ground rules. Before we get started, we were talking about purple pebbles, and then we kind of had the idea, well, what if we match the birthstone? Well, the birthstone, as Patrick pointed out for the month of April, just so happens to be the diamond. So this might be the biggest accolade of the entire year. You get the diamond pebble. Like, I mean, I don't know what our budget is for the podcast here. I think that definitely means we're not going to be able to mail these out to people. But um, you get a hypothetical diamond if you hear your name on the next little section right here. So big shout out to everybody tuning in. If you're a player in the system and you get your name called, um, yeah, a little figurative cubic zirconian coming your way i guess here we go <laughs> anyways we have hand selected we said we our plan was we were going to select 28 players across all four rockies affiliates i think we did have a couple late additions and we had to fill out 
second base was admittedly kind of thin. I'll just come out and just say that right now. I probably shouldn't disclose that, but we're all about transparency here. Um, it's sorted by position. We put together the top performers for April. Um, we will present the full lineup as we go. Catcher through outfield, starting pitchers, and then relievers. And then we're going to pick a starter at each position that we go to. So each member of our little three-person panel, Kenneth, Patrick, and myself, We'll take turns revealing the selections first, kind of justifying who we pick as a starter. So Kendall will get us kicked off talking about the catching candidates that we have. We also happen to have just chock full of really good performing catchers right now. So just coming out firing at this point. So we are going to power through this relatively quickly, just so we don't talk about the same middle infielders for like 20 minutes at the, at the time or something like that. But in a matter of moments, you'll know everything you need to know about the top performers in the Rocky system through the first month of the year. So we're going to start at the top. Kenneth, yeah, behind the recipients, behind the dish. That, as you mentioned, it was a really good um, start of the season um, for the Rockies catching prospects. Uh, you know, of our nominations, we have Willie McIver, Drew Romo, Hunter Goodman, and Braxton Fulford. Um, Goodman and Fulford are both in Low A Fresno. Romo at High A Spokane and McIver in Double A Hartford. But I got to give the nod to Willie Mack. I mean. He's got a 945 OPS in the month of April. His seven home runs lead the organization um, for home runs from the farm system. And for a guy who was pushed as hard as he was last year, for him to come out of the gate strong with the bat, he has put himself in the conversation for a basically third catcher role and being on the big league radar kind of quickly if, it, if that catcher is needed. So William McIver, great April. He's the uh, starter for the uh, – all purple or for the purple row all may team all april i'm done <laughs> just off the cuff right there yeah. we'll move on down the list patrick you've got first base for us sure sean bouchard bouchard has been an interesting player all throughout his career i think he was down in uh, Asheville at one point so it's it's kind of been slow going for him but uh was a big bat down there and, and he's finally showing here at the triple a level three homers 14 rbi as a, as a strong batting average in 351 with the isotopes. And Grant Levine, who is a guy we, we mentioned there uh, in the previous segment, uh, he's kind of been bypassed by Michael Tolia, but he was a high school pick out of New Hampshire. And he's finally putting it together. You know, he's repeating there at, at Spokane, uh, I believe. Or no, was he at Fresno last year? I think he was at Fresno. So he's, he's coming up. He repeated low A, uh, but now he's up at high A, two homers. 12 RBI, batting 411. You'd love to see that. Uh, and, and and even slugging 441. Excuse me, his on-base percentage is 411. And his slugging is 441. So um, he's he's finally, it's taken him a while to get going. That 2020 season, I think, really uh, impacted him you know, negatively like, like it did so many guys. But it's great to see him uh, get off the schneid uh, so early in 2022. You know, you do mention for Levine as far as just the pipeline of where the natural progression's been. He played 32 games in high A last year. So he had a very small, I guess, micro dose of what's to come. But very fun to see, you know, You've essentially kind of doubled that over here in the first month of the year and at least gaining some footing right there. It's fun to be able to put that through. I don't know if he's going to be the kind of guy that puts a little bit of pressure on Michael Tolia, but you never know. Um, we'll move on down the list to second base. And I, I got to admit, there's not a whole lot of second baseman putting pressure on a whole lot of people in the Rocky system. Kind of is what it is. You expect that it's going to be the shortstops in the mix. And that's just kind of the default way of kind of the way things are going at this point. Um, Tim Lopes and Juan Brito are our selections at this point. Tim Lopes is the clear-cut favorite as far as everybody that they've got going on. He's got the highest OPS out of any qualified player in Albuquerque. I say qualified. Um, for those of you that are following box scores in Albuquerque very intently, there's probably an outfielder that you will recognize that has tremendous numbers but just barely missed the qualified mark. So anyways, Tim Lopes at this point, he's got a slash right now, 342, 378, 513, flirting with a 900 OPS at this point. Um, very streaky, you would suggest. It seemed, I mean, he's kind of the stereotypical second baseman of, I mean, hitting for at least historically kind of been an average hitter, but he's starting to show some power at this point in time. Five doubles, put a triple in there, left the yard twice. And, I mean, it's interesting to see him kind of taking advantage of some RBI opportunities. And you don't typically see that a whole lot out of a stereotypical second baseman. So fun to see this. I think it's going to be interesting to see where he is put in the batting order, too. I understand that you're not really playing for RBIs in a minor league setting at this point. But fun to follow along. Um, 
at the same time, I can't imagine he's going to be in RBI positions quite like our third baseman either. Though. So, Kenneth, who are our third base candidates? Yeah, so for third base, uh, you know, we talked about Montero, and he is deservingly in the conversation for the All-April team. Uh, but another guy who's in that same boat is going to be Warming Bernabel. And we, you know, we gave a lot of love to Montero, rightfully so at the beginning. But I really want to talk about Bernabel because I'm super excited about him. Heading into the season, who, what bats would emerge out of Fresno, I think was a big storyline to follow because we saw the excitement and the, the boost that it gave the farm system with Veen, with Romo, with Tovar last year. And there's a very good crop of infield bats and, of, you know, outfield bats too. But, you know, the left side of that infield with Amador and Bernabel, that's that's awesome, man. And he was great in April. He had a 924 OPS. Um, he ended up with three home runs. One of them was an inside the park job the other day. Uh, he has a WRC plus in the 150 range. Uh, 149. Yeah. And for, for a month, you put up a 920 OPS and a 149 WRC plus dude can hit, but the strikeout rate isn't egregious. 15%. He's a really good bat. He's going to be a solid, solid player. And I'm really excited to what he, um, what he does in the next few seasons as he's developing in the Rocky system. For the shortstop serious positions. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. We, you, you, uh, (laughs) you had the last pick in the, in the fantasy, uh, Pebble, uh, <laughs> Pebble podcast here. Uh, Pebble picks, love it. Uh, I, I should I should give uh, a cubic zirconian a little bit to uh, to Mr. Eddie Diaz, who's he's he's holding his own there in high Spokane at second base. As you said, the position is really thin. Uh, former shortstop. Uh, that's why mm-hmm. I'll talk a little about the shortstops. Ezekiel Tovar, uh, he's doing it, hitting the walk off home runs. He's got five already through the month of April. Uh, OPS of 1061, 12th best OPS uh, of all AA qualified players. I think it might even be fourth best in the Eastern League. He's been fantastic at 20 years old. And also at shortstop, Adele Amador playing against competition a full two years younger than him in the California League. He leads the league in home runs with six. So uh, I think he even hit four in the span of three days, uh, got himself going with a two home run game. So yeah, just turned uh, 19 last month and he's doing some big things. He was a big international signing for them a couple years ago. Uh, and he's proved uh, worth you know everything that the Rockies have spent. So that's good. It's good that two of your better players are at shortstop there going forward at double A and low A in Tovar and Amador. You know, there's something to be said about getting the boys fired up with that many home runs in that short period of time right there. So big tip of the cap right there. Um, if you look at our list, as far as, I mean, everybody on offense, we only have three players that have an OPS. Yeah, only. Only three players with an OPS of 1,000 or higher. I, I made it sound like that needed to be an expectation and not an exception right there. But no um, high bar. Yeah, no kidding. This is where we're setting it. This is where we're making it happen. Um, two of them, two of those three players happen to be the shortstop candidates in Tovar and Amador. So that's pretty clear cut as far as, I mean, if, if we had to pick, I guess, the MVPs of the discussion, I think it's pretty rational to put Tovar in that mix because of the natural progression that he's putting together. But at the same time, Amador is right on the heels of where he's at at this point. And we could see a landscape in the near future where these guys are sharing an infield potentially, depending on what that ends up shaping out to be. And, you know, at the same time, you can't go wrong with the switch hitter being able to put six bombs out at shortstop right there. So very fun to see. I've got the outfield selection. I have my guy, Winton Bernard, is absolutely going off in AAA right now. He barely missed the qualified mark, but, I mean, 51 at-bats in a month is still a pretty considerable sample. And he's 31 years old. He has been in the league since – 1920 it feels like my goodness i mean this if you go to his baseball reference page and take a look at what winton bernard's got going on this guy has team after team and none of them have been a big league squad i feel awful for the guy this is the spotlight i mean honestly we would be doing him a disservice being a minor league podcast if we didn't absolutely revel over all of the good stuff that he has been doing current batting slash not even kidding 412 444 961 so I said that there's three guys with an OPS over a thousand. Um, Tovar and Amador are just above a thousand. Bernard is one point four zero five. 
It is ridiculous what he's been able to put together. Slugging percentage is approaching a thousand. No That's kidding. It's just been. it's insane to me, man. So, not bad for not bad for a guy who uh, started opening day on the bench. Jeez, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, absolutely. It's just how quickly we forget about those kind of things, and it, it's so difficult too because you know. I we saw this with I guess pitching candidates. Zach Roscup was kind of an example last year. Of, I mean, yes, he got called up, but it was because of a bunch of COVID outbreaks going on in the Rockies clubhouse that he probably wouldn't have been called up otherwise. Um, Joe Harvey was another guy. He got called up just to get DFA'd and then ultimately kind of just left the organization without pitching in the big leagues. It seems like there's always, and this isn't just a Rockies thing. This is just kind of the way the system works when there's such protections going on. We're getting called up into the big leagues. It's just very difficult for a guy like Winton Bernard to really break in. So 31 years old at this point. I I hate saying this. If if this isn't good enough, I mean it, it's pretty clear it seems like he's not gonna get called up, which just absolutely sickens me to my core because of how good he is performing at this point in time. But at the same time, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, however it's gonna play out, you know. One of the most – a guy that deserves some of the biggest respect in the entire organization, big leagues included, just simply because of his track record and all the good stuff that he's put together. So I, I needed to get on a soapbox just to talk about my guy because this podcast just was not going to be complete unless we absolutely reveled over the good stuff that he had going on. So as far as our other candidates that we've got, some guys that I hate to say have a probably more likely big league future, but let's just kind of call it how it is at this point. Jamison Hanna. Currently in Hartford Double A, he's got an OPS of 919 as well. So he's been able to put some really strong stuff together. Um, he played exclusively in Double A last year, so this is his repeat season. But really suggesting that he's gaining that footing, and really suggesting when the Rockies got him in those trades with Cincinnati that there was something that they were really looking for. And then I hate to say this was kind of a down month for Zach Veen. I mean, he's still on our list, but that's because he just goes off all the time. 825 OPS, still very considerable batting average of 284 and he's only left the yard once this year so i mean at the same time if we start seeing his power start coming back it's very likely that those ops figures those slugging percentage figures are going to start coming together a whole lot better at this point so i would go with bernard hannah and veen as our starters want to give some love to vladimir restituyo and benny montgomery as well their ops is kind of in those middle 700 ranges right now uh, Restituyo is about to turn 21, so he's got some serious stuff going on at this point. And then Benny Montgomery, he was recently placed on the injured list this week, so we might not be seeing a whole lot of him as far as, you know, being as young as he is. It makes sense that the Rockies are going to really try to play that safe at this point. But, you know, for the first little taste of what we've been able to see from him in 2021, 2022, after being drafted last summer, very fun to see him catch some footing, and it's going to be interesting to see that natural path along the injuries right now as far as what we're going to see going into May, potentially into June. So those are the outfielding candidates. We've got a whole bunch of pitchers that we need to break down, and I don't know how we want to turn this over, but, Kenneth, who's you, I, I, I think I have an idea on who your starter, who your starting <laughs> candidate is. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be shy about it. I do want to give just another quick mention on Jamie Hanna. Uh, he's repeating double A. And this was somebody that was a potential Rule 5 conversation guy. Um, being left up 40 men, obviously the Rule 5 was out the window. But there's that regard, but there needed to be a next step. And his slugging percentage has jumped up significantly from the player he was throughout last year with Hartford. If that bat starts coming around with a little more pop, there's some serious potential for Jameson Hanna that we could see unlocked this season. So really good to see him on the list. Um, on the pitching side, I'll just I'll kick it off. I mean, it's a pretty apparent answer. Joe Rock. Joe Rock, first of all, what a name for a Rockies farmhand. But 2021 <laughs> draft pick, um, left-hander out of it. Um, oh, Ohio. It, Ohio. I want to say Indiana, but that was McCabe Brown. Um, <laughs> Joe Rock has been a stud on a very aggressive play, uh, placement. He went straight to high A Spokane. All he's done is make three starts with a 1.59 ERA. He leads the team in strikeouts with 21 and just 17 innings pitched. Uh, the opponent batting average against him is 138. You can't square him up. Lots of swings and misses. He has fine control. Six walks in 17 innings is nothing egregious to get um, all you know hot and bothered over. So. Joe Rock has been as advertised, and if you haven't seen video of Joe Rock pitch, you need to because it looks like one of the most uncomfortable, uncomfortable at bats as a left-handed hitter that you can imagine. Dude is 
all knees and elbows coming at you with filthy stuff. And there's a lot to be excited for uh, moving forward with Joe Rock. So he's my pick in the rotation. Yeah, that would that would have been my guy, man. You, you, you beat me to it. I uh, love that he skipped low A there, and then they, they challenged him to go to high A. Giuseppe Rocky's man, or as he's known, Joe Rock, uh, of course, <laughs> being his, his full name. I've, I've seen the birth, birth papers there. First certificate, Giuseppe Rockies. All right, no, I'm going to go Carl Kaufman. Uh, I, I've been a big fan of his since, since he was drafted there in 2019 out of the University of Michigan. And, you know, of course, they shut him down because he pitched deep into the College World Series that year, lost 2020. Uh, again, challenged him uh, like, you know, the Rockies really hadn't been doing, I think, in years past. We've seen a, kind of a, a change of organizational philosophy a little bit uh, with these these types of challenges and advancing guys up uh, a little bit higher than maybe in the past. Uh, and so, you know, he had a rough 2021 there in double A repeating, a totally different situation for him repeating. And he's been really good. Not great, but really good. Um, sort of a, a softer tossing right hander, which, you know, might not project uh, to be a, a front end of the rotation guy, but I'm just happy to see him uh, start to have a lot of success after really being put on the shelf for close to two seasons. You know, very strong candidacies right here. And I mean, it's especially interesting to follow along as far as what Kaufman's been able to do, exactly what you mentioned. He was used to very serious workloads at the University of Michigan, leading them to the College World Series final. All of a sudden, he works his way through the Rocky system, and we see him start kind of just this natural progression. But I completely agree, and it's very fun to be able to check and see. You know, he's not allowing a whole lot of opportunities for runs to be scored at this point. And I think that's a prime indicator for what you really want to be looking for in a guy in double A at that point. Just how are you able to control the flow on the base path? Sure, somebody might barrel you up at some point, but limiting those opportunities to making sure that those don't come in key situations. I think that has been something that he's been pretty strong about. And, you know, it's fun to follow along this whole list because you start realizing how sensitive some of these ERAs can be in a hurry just by a matter of a swing or two. So it's uh, that was a, a big reason why I wanted to make sure Kaufman was included on our list right here. So Joe Rock would be my guy. I mean, of course, like, I mean, just when you look at a 0 0.88 whip at this point, I'm sorry, 0 0.82. I mean, that definitely suggests that if there's one guy really keeping people off balance. It's him. And especially with as fun as he throws at this point. So I will name off. Here are all of the starting pitcher candidates other than Kaufman and Rock. In, double, in AAA, we had Ryan Feltner. In high A, we had Tony Losey and Mike Ruff. And then in low A, we had Evan Schott. Oh, excuse me. I just coughed on myself right there. That was weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this just, just happened. I, I think I just got stuck pronouncing his last name. Evan Schauver in low A. <laughs> I don't know why that was so hard for me right there. And then we also had a guy. This was Patrick's. I guess this was your right in right there. It was Victor Juarez in low A as well. And very young guy down there as well. I want to show him some love. I'm not going to pick him as my guy, but at the same time, as 19 years old, he's three years younger than the average player in low A. He put together a 3.72 ERA with just under 20 innings at this point. And his whip was very strong too, 1.19, suggesting that he's really keeping some people off balance as well. There's perhaps a little bit of refining to be done there, but you know he's three years younger than the average player. Like, Of course, there's going to be some refining to be done, but that's going to be very fun to see. You know, somebody being given those opportunities at such a young age, that's somebody that you definitely want to keep an eye on. And if you're in the Fresno area, that's a guy that you want to look at those little starting pitcher probables and take a look and then get yourself out to the yard when you see him playing for that one. So I do want to show some love. My pick for this is going to be Mike Ruff, product out of Florida Atlantic University, 2019 11th round pick. Um, other than Joe Rock, this guy had the lowest whip at 0 0.88, just doing a great job keeping people off balance and following that natural progression of he's a little bit younger than the average players in the league that he's in right now. And he was in low A last year, just a standard next season promotion up to high A. So opponents batting 230 against him, which is, I mean, it's still exceptional. I mean, if you're on this list, you have a pretty solid measure at this point. But it seems like he's doing – he's got a pitch mix that I feel is really just like deceptive at this point. And I think that it's going to play really well at double A and beyond just because, I mean, the batting average that he sees on balls in play is a little bit suggestive of kind of – you know, maybe there's something in his pitch mix that is actually deceiving people into creating that weak contact. It can be really deceptive when you start trying to piece together what exactly plays into the pitches at this point. But – you know, those people that come to mind, I guess the Zach Brittons, the sinker ballers, or the, the cutters of Mariano Rivera, 
maybe there are some people that can really control batted balls a lot better than some other people. And I think that's something that could inevitably play pretty well at Coors Field. So Mike Ruff is mine. Carl Kaufman is Patrick's. Joe Rock, the legend, is K-Dubs. We've got some relievers that we need to piece together. And this is deceiving because, you know, every once in a while, you just get a reliever that gets hot out of the middle of nowhere. So we've got five names. I'm just going to name off our five at this point, and then we'll turn it over to you guys. We've got Joel Condre, Juan Mejia, Luke Taggart, Nick Kennedy, and a young man by the name of Riley Pint making the names. I, I imagine one of you guys is going to pick Pint. So, do you, I mean, whoever whoever wants it first. Nobody. Really. I'm, I'm a Nick Kennedy guy from back in the day. I think he was an all-star in, in, in Asheville, I want to say. I, I can't recall. <laughs> I could use him, Nick Bush, and Jake Bird, all, all these guys. Two Nicks, two guys with uh, four-letter uh, last names that start with a B. <laughs> they sometimes get uh, jumbled up in my head. But, you know, anytime you're a left-hander, putting up those kind of numbers, and, and Nick Kennedy has, has had some success in the past doing that. So he's just been one of those, like, fringy guys. you got to keep your eye on that. You know, you could see get added to the 40-man roster. You know, at, at some point, if he, if he does it well enough and he does it long enough up, up in AAA, when the Rockies need to, to call on someone who's a little bit more productive. So uh, he, he's my choice for this all-star, all-April list. You know, on my side, um, I, I will go with Pint. Um, I think Luke Taggart is, is the most impressive in terms of raw numbers. But, you know, the, there's a lot of good stories with this group. And I think when it comes to Riley Pint, I mean, that's the, that's the peak of any Rockies prospect right now. This is a highly titled pick. He started coming around last year in Spokane, but for his own personal reasons, walked away, you know, had that retirement. He's come back and he got placed right into double A Hartford and he's been money. You know, as we're recording, he has another scoreless appearance tonight. He's now down to a 1.74 ERA and 10 and a third innings pitched. Um, You know, the, the command can catch up to him at times, but three walks in those 10 and a third innings, 14 Ks. The stuff is still there. The mindset is different with Riley Pine. It's great to see him back, and it's really good to see him succeeding. This is a big league arm still. You know, that has never changed, but now I think it's a little more harnessed on his talent, and he's starting to come around, and, man, he can move fast if, you know, that time away that he took last year, uh, you know, was just what he needed. So Riley Pine, you earned it all April, team. You know, very, very mature selections out of you gentlemen right there. I respect it. Um, I feel like there's no choice for me but to pick Luke Taggart as my guy at this point. 11 and a third innings of shutout ball. Um, opponents in 083 off of him right now, and his whip is almost exactly one half. So that suggests, I mean, that's a shutdown reliever. That's a guy that you can trust with inherited runners to be able to get some stuff taken care of. And fun to see that in high A. I'm interested to see how is he going to be able to treat inevitably when the time comes that he does go to double a what is it going to be like when you're facing a little bit more primed hitters and some guys that have a little bit more refined eye at the plate but everything's suggesting that he's doing pretty well walking three guys in 11 and a third is pretty darn good when you mix it in with 14 strikeouts um really quick i want to show some love to joel condre as well um seven and a third scoreless in low a fresno at this point He's got a whip of 1.23, suggesting maybe his numbers of ERA aren't as strong as some of those other guys. That's somebody that you'd expect an FIP figure to look a little bit more deceiving. But at the same time, anytime that you're posting a zero across a whole month, you know, there's something to be said about that right there. So, I mean, very good picks. I like the Nick Kennedy pick, especially being left-handed. I realize the Rockies' big league bullpen at this point, they do have a little bit more left-handed reinforcements than they did in, let's say, 2020. But it's fun to be able to recognize that there is a little bit of a pipeline if the Rockies need to call upon somebody to really bolster that crew. And then assuming, you know, your manager being an ex-pitcher, he probably wants to have a pretty well-rounded sense. My goodness, that was a good one. Wants to have a pretty good, well-rounded bullpen approach for how he's handling the handedness of certain players. And then also, you know, being a pitcher, having that kind of mindset, Riley Pint, when you don't know where the ball is going, that is like a demoralizing feeling on the mound. I mean, it provoked him to retire at one point last year. And I mean, at the same time, recognizing that he has got his footing back for the month of April, nine and a third innings, and he only walked three guys. So very fun to recognize that that was coming together and very fun to just really see that some guys are getting the job done right there where you might otherwise not see them really dominating in the recent history of just these past couple months, past couple years. Some guys in those bullpens really starting to get the job done. And of course, we got to show them some love because that's what we like to do here, man. 
So congratulations once again to our all April team selections. We do have one more segment on the podcast for you guys. And it's here to cover where you can find all of these top players throwing down next week. Stick around for team performances. Road ahead for all four Rockies affiliates. We've got Patrick Lyons sticking around with us for another couple minutes. And you are listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's time to go through the all four affiliate rundown. Albuquerque, Hartford, Spokane, and Fresno. Let's cover the road behind us. Let's cover the road ahead. And let's have a little bit of fun talking whatever fun minor league promotions are on the horizon. Whatever cool ballparks are coming up. Whatever cool mascots there are. You know, this is something you don't really get to see at the big league level. So I understand this is probably a big reason why a lot of you guys are tuning in. Hey, this is the main event, I guess. Just like every, I mean, every single second of this is the main event. What are we talking about? He does his dessert. I'm going to give myself every point I can get. There we go. <laughs> Starting at the top, AAA Albuquerque. Last week they went two and four at home versus the Sacramento River Cats. This week they're taking on the Oklahoma City Dodgers, which I'm going to, I would let you guys guess what affiliate they're with, but I'm guessing we can just, we can just move past that one right there. Toronto. <laughs> that was my guess. Lo and behold, the Oklahoma City Dodgers are not a Toronto Blue Jays affiliate. If you don't know what it is by now, I would say Google it, but there might be a troll out there that's just moving on. Whatever. Town ballpark in Oklahoma City is a, it's a, actually a fantastic ballpark that they've got there. Um, they host the Big 12 college baseball tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Very cool setup that they've got there. Also, very good camera setup. I mean, if you guys are following MILB TV, like very good camera angles that they have. I mean, sometimes that you'll you might get a camera angle in low A that is just atrocious, and you're trying to piece it together. No disrespect to our friends over in the California League, but you know you're not exactly dealing with the big league setup sometimes when you're working in some of those smaller venues. But AAA Albuquerque taking on Oklahoma City. If you happen to be tuning into the broadcast, that's going to be a pretty fun setup right there. Um, Fun to see the Dodgers. I hate to say fun to see this, but I mean, it's fun to see the AAA Dodgers just because of how deep they are. Is that sacrilegious if I say that? No, it's not. I mean, they like Kevin Pilar was there last time, Zach McKinstry's, and Pilar is actually still there. So you get a chance to see a little bit more um, big league talent on display. And I think they might be able to miss Ryan Pepio two times because they opened the season against him and it did not go well for Albuquerque. So Hopefully they uh, they get to buck that trend a little bit and not have two appearances by Pepio this time. I'm serious. You never know what you're going to see right there, man. It's I guess moving down the pipeline. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's not that's not an exciting mascot though, man. I mean, there's got to be something more indigenous. Though. What what would the best Oklahoma the, the tornadoes the twisters? Well, they used to uh, be the Red Hawks. I believe they used to be the Red Hawks. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Wow. Yeah. Somebody already burned the Sooners, I guess. The Sooners using that one. And the 60s, <laughs> they might have also been at one point, maybe like in the 90s, the 66ers. I want to say okay. something like that. Route 66, perhaps. Was that Oklahoma City? Actually, it's pretty sweet. I'm wrong. I'm trying oh. to, Tulsa Drillers kind of took that away from us right there. Goodness, man. You never know. You never know what we're going to see. The fighting Kyler Murray's in action or something. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Go on to Double A Hartford. Last week, they went three and two at the Harrisburg Senators. Um, they were rained out last Tuesday. They were delayed again on Sunday. I have to admit, my notes say they were three and two, but it was because it was in the middle of the rain out. Kenneth, do you know if Hartford won today? I've been following the big league. They did. Yes. They did. They, they did. went four and, and two was, last week. <laughs> there you yeah. go. They did win, and it was the Oklahoma City 89ers from 1962 to 1997. And they played at the deceptively named All Sports Stadium. I don't know what they hosted there. <laughs> but Ping pong. Ping pong tournaments. They did it all. <laughs> yeah. It was like an Olympic event. There you go. Pickleball. <laughs> they broadcast it on TV. Oh, my goodness. That's priceless right there, man. Um, Hartford's been getting rained out, so they've had to dance around some stuff going on. Um, able to get all six games of the series in, so that works out a little bit. This week, taking on one of the most coveted names in minor league baseball, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. That's right. They're not just the ponies. They're the Rumble Ponies. Did they need to just add that in? I mean, I think ponies would be cool. Like, is that just weird or is that just me? 
I think we settled last year that that was like the where we would put our money if it was a mascot fight, the Rubble Ponies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The fight Rumble to the Ponies. death. Yeah, they were they they would come out alive in that cage match. I think is where we we trended. I mean, I guess you first you got to consider the mythical powers of a butter biscuit or something. I mean, <laughs> I guess the Rumble, I Ponies, not, the Rumble Ponies do come prepared. They they've got boxing gloves. And That's right. Have, there you go. Logos, so they're they're putting it out there that they're ready to go. You like don't want Pokemon. to mess with the pony with boxing gloves. It's like Pokemon. My goodness. <laughs> with the biscuits oh, versus the ponies. Man. You know, it's so hard to be professional in this segment every once in a while, gentlemen, just when we start throwing this down. The story of my life. Having oh, a hard time man. being professional. <laughs> we'll move on to High A Spokane. Last week they went three and three against the Everett Aqua Sox. Alter Funko Field up in Everett, Washington. To my knowledge, I think Funko is a company that makes like children's toys up in northern Seattle or something like that. Um, little fun known fact, Funko doubles are a real thing. They have like a 15-foot wall or a 20-foot wall all the way around the diamond. Um, so you can just hit a routine fly ball and it'll just piece up the wall and you get a little Funko double out of it. So not a whole lot of fun if you're a pitcher there, I guess, because generous home runs generous small outfield so there you go um other than that take a look i don't know what the name of the everett aqua Sox mascot is i mean it, it's it's a frog of some sort but th this guy looks kind of horrifying like I, I wish that we could do a video podcast and i could flash that i could flash this up right now it's it's you never know his name is webley webley Webley. I would he he's in a Central American red-eyed tree frog, which means I think if you lick him, you you could get messed up, which <laughs> you may want to do. I don't know. <laughs> you have a rough outing, you just yeah. go show some love to the frog and see how it goes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, your eyes would turn into to those red eyes when you hallucinate that hard. I could see it. They're nightmarish eyes. Yeah, the red eyes are what kills me. This is why this is we bring Patrick on for these insights, man, and he delivers. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'll say I'll um, say this. this: if you if you ever notice, if you ever look at the logo for Everett Aquasox, the E in Everett is the old Seattle Mariners Trident, and they're affiliated. Yeah, and, it, and it's turned instead of the M, they right. turned it to be the E. That's right. Yeah, big bonus points, man. That's like a good that. little integration, right? That there. has you the, the same T's in there too. But yeah, I do see the Trident. That's money. Whoever's I in charge of that graphic design, give them a promotion, man. Good stuff. And that was from the 90s, um, too. That's that's pretty good. That's right. Stuck around. I guess on the topic of good logos, we're going to move on to this week. I spoke and is taking on the Tri-City Dust Devils. And they have a respectfully atrocious main logo. Wow, we're back on this. I'm just, I know we've talked about it last year. But you know what? If we're talking about Everett's logo, we got to talk about Tri-Cities. <laughs> Um, we'll leave it at that. They used to be a former Rockies affiliate. They actually had Charlie Blackman bobblehead night a couple of years ago. I think it might have been last year even. So very weird, deceiving stuff if you happen to be like a Spokane fan up there because somebody was showing some love to a big league that you now presumably follow up the pipeline. But Tri-City is a Dodger affiliate, so it's fun to be able to follow that through. Angels. Um, Angels affiliate. That's right. I'm sorry. They are an Angels. Goodness. I typed in Dodgers for the Oklahoma City Dodgers. And while I was typing our script, I looked down and I typed the LA just off the cuff. They are an Angels affiliate. That's right. If they were the Probably Dodgers, they would like... immediately be renamed the Tri-City Dust Dodgers. That's just how they operate. <laughs> That's the prerequisite. The Dust Devils are an Angels affiliate? That seems kind of sacrilegious right there. What are we doing? Oh, Mel man. Dust Dodgers could be named for a tornado chaser, so I guess it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah, what Oklahoma City should have gone right? for. <laughs> the Dust Dodgers. That would actually be awesome. Mm -hmm. I think we've got a petition right here, man. Their mascot is cleverly named Dusty. Mm. No, it's it's not that creative. George Brett does uh he is one of the co-owners of the team, so that's really look at you worth man. nothing. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be seeing him up in the Tri-City area or in the Spokane area for this series. You never know. If it's George Brett Knight, count me in. I'll be there. Guest That's appearance. Cool. <laughs> Last week, Loe Fresno started off tremendously hot. They rattled up a ton of wins. It was very fun to see. Um, they were in coveted Stockton, California, home of one Dallas Braden. I think he might be the most notable dude from Stockton, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, that's where Fresno was. This week they're back home against the Modesto Nuts, another former Colorado Rockies affiliate. There you go. Um, Modesto is now with the Seattle Mariners. They've got Star Wars night in Fresno on Friday. So instead of seeing the Fresno tacos, we're going to see the Fresno fighting Yodas or something. I don't know. Chewbacca's? Oh, that plays out. The, the Chewbacca's. There you go. Yeah, the Grizzly, there you go. <laughs> that is that talented? Is that wow. UK? Yeah. <laughs> Who, that was my stomach. It? I haven't eaten all night. Justin, was that you? <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> I laughed too much for that to be real. That was impressive, man. I mean, just when you think, I mean, the talent nice list, talk, Patrick Lyons, <laughs> right here, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. That's so much fun to be able to follow, too. And especially to see these guys staying hot. You know, we knew Fresno was very strong last year. It seems like they're certainly strong again in the win column, at least the early the early indications of where the records are showing. So fun to keep that rolling. Um, shout out if you happen to be in any one of those cities. You got a lot of home games. Every single Rockies affiliate, to my knowledge, next week is at home. I'm sorry, other than Albuquerque, all of them are going to be at home. So check it out. Good stuff right there. And if you happen to be in the heartland, in the Oklahoma City area, go check out some ball, man. So anyways, with that being said, I want to turn it over one final time to my guy, Patrick Lyons. My friend, thank you for being here. We have tremendous amounts of fun. One of the most coveted people in Rockies media. One of the most coveted in baseball as a whole, if I say so myself. My friend, thank you for coming in. Our recording date is Sunday. You were at the ballpark. You filmed the post-game show for DNVR. And now we're approaching the 9 p.m. hour. You are still at the DNVR bar at the corner of Colfax in York right here. Absolutely putting in the hours. But my friend, just wanted to give our sincerest thank you for putting this together. You continue to deliver. You put together so much great stuff. And for good reason, you know, you are one of the most respected people I know in this field. So I do want to turn this over to you. Um, any final thoughts, man? Thank you for being here. But what do you got? You got anything for us as kind of a closer? You know, I, I thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Baseball and buddies, I'll, I'll do it all day long. You know, long day at the bar, whatever it is. Yeah, if you're in the Denver area, <laughs> come check out the DNVR bar down on the corner of Colfax, New York. And, you know, it's only 50 cents uh, for your first month. And if you're a member, you actually get a member-sized beer, which is kind of nice. You get a, a little upgrade when you do that. We've got some cool shirts at dnvrlocker.com. And uh, as you said earlier, Susie Hunter has been a great addition to the DNVR Rockies team. We're dropping podcasts every morning at, at 5 a.m., Monday through Friday, live shows on the YouTube channel, DNVR Sports, uh, writing the articles, you know, doing that thing, being down at the ballpark. It, it's been a lot of fun. I feel really lucky to do it and uh, lucky to, to be on this podcast. So thank you guys, Justin, Kenneth. I, I appreciate it. You helped me out all offseason. You, you came on the show a bunch of times. So uh, it was fantastic. Uh mixing it up and, and cutting it up with you guys. So I'm glad to more than return the favor and I'm here whenever you need me. Man, I am humbled, my friend. Thank you, sir. And seriously, a huge tip of the cap, all the great work that you guys have been doing. Seriously, if, you if you've made it to this point in our podcast and if for whatever reason you don't tune in to the DNVR Rockies podcast at this point in time, just check it out. Um, by the time that we release this episode, they're going to have a brand new one up. There you go. So all the more reason. We've got all this Rockies content coming your way. So again, thank you. It's guys like you that make this so much fun to cover all of these details in this game of baseball. And just the biggest, sincerest thank you for all this great stuff that we're able to make happen. And, you know, I got to show some love to my guy, K-Dub, too. Hey, my brother, you know, I know that we're kind of the routine business on making this happen, but I got to give you a little bit of FaceTime, too. Anything that you want to plug is some final thoughts. Uh, no, I mean, I'm always going to have the Pebble Report coming out on Monday, so keep an eye out for that. So you can always keep up with the uh, Rockies Farm System in print. I'll also have my rock piles up on Saturdays, um, so always feel free to jump in, give them a read, and you can find me on Twitter at KDub1988. Uh, just a quick plug, if you don't follow Patrick or DNVR Rockies, find them on Twitter um, at DNVR underscore Rockies or at Patrick D. Lyons. Um, so always be staying in the loop with that and you know where to find me on purple row. That's it. That's the way to get it done right there. All of the finest content that you're going to find from my guys, K dub and from my guys, Patrick on behalf of our whole crew, Patrick Lyons, Kenneth Weber, Justin wick. Thank you guys for making it happen. Say so long until next time. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the pebble report podcast and let's play ball. Hit him with a chewy. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.